You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You're goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. This is called Pirate Radio. We are refuse for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzberg. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner here on the GGR Pirate Radio Network. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am your host of the podcast. Check out our website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. There is lots of great written content. There's lots of great podcast content as well that you guys can check out and enjoy. For this episode of At The Diner, I have the stalwart co-hosts that join me on all episodes of At The Diner. I've got the man, the myth, the legend himself. His name is MC Brooks. Or my Mephisto. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. We've also got our second co-host. Um, he's a complicated man, but no one understands him but his woman. His name is James Rambo. My back hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us for the first time on the GGR Pirate Radio Airwaves. Well, no, yeah, technically not, because you did hear her voice in our Christmas Carol version that we did. This is the first time that she's been on a podcast with us, so we're super excited to have her. We're going to get to know her tonight. Her name is Mariah Beachford. Hey, y'all. How's it going? We are so excited to have you, like, because all of us, like, MC, myself, Rambo, speaking for all of us, of course, we're all, like, super inquisitive just by nature. So, like, it's it's gonna be prepare yourself like if you need to like get a cup of coffee if like you need to stretch or crack your back or something like that mariah <laughs> like it we're there's probably going to be a billion questions because awesome. we we love getting to know um our friends and and getting to know what makes them tick so um Yay. the first the first thing i want to do is i want to do like that first day of school um or first day in a new job i'm going to make it super awkward i'm going to let you introduce yourself so everybody knows who you are <laughs> Thanks. In front of the class. <laughs> Full dissertation right now. Hey, guys. My name's Mariah, and I'm super short. And, um, yeah, I'm awkward, too. You say that. However, you're you're hilarious. I, well, I, I got to give you that. But also, like, Mariah is an, a talented writer. 
Uh, you can read her stuff on on GGR. Uh, but she's also written written a lot of plays too, haven't you? Yes, mostly kids plays. Mostly kids plays. Well, that's I mean that's not a bad thing. Kids plays are good. Everybody yeah. likes kids for the most part. Kids are hilarious. Um, is it is it just like plays that you've written, or have you written like novels? You've written comic books, anything else like that? Um, I've written lots and lots of plays, but I've also written an occasional like there's a a short story in um, just milieu, which is a very uh, I don't know, it's not really well known, but it's a little magazine and. I'm proud of that piece, but I also have written for the local radio station and um, I've got all sorts of stuff that I'm writing on my own, but children's plays are what I'm really good at. Um, and I started because when I was a, when I was teaching kids, I got really frustrated because I couldn't find any good material. And all of these theater schools and whatnot, you have to have some kind of showcase for them at the end where they show off their talents and hopefully hopefully they've learned something. And it's usually a skit or even a longer play and there's not a whole lot of good stuff out there. Um, or I have to spend a lot of time finding stuff. So I said, screw it, I'll write my own. So that's what I'm really good at. Um, and I've been commissioned and yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Well, that's and that's awesome, and that's one of the things why I was so excited that you uh, wanted to be part of the GGR family because that independent mindset—it's something that, like, right now, the four people that are on this podcast, plus a lot of the other people who come on as guests and things like that—it's something that we all share as a common bond. Is the I want to do something, and instead of waiting around and hoping that it might happen, I'm going to do it myself. MC has done that in the musical realm. Um, I've done that in the writing realm, like uh, as far as publishing um, the work that I've done. Same thing with like the website and the podcast. Rambo is like got just done some amazing art. He's he's written some amazing pieces, and like you, same thing. I mean, you you were like I you you just said it. There weren't any there weren't any good plays or anything that you could do. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to write my own. And like that's that's just something that I always think is just incredibly admirable and something that is worth worth note in a world where a lot of people kind of wait around in hopes that something just kind of drops in their lap. Thanks, man. Of course. Of course. So <clears throat> one of the things that I wanted to ask, because you you teach, you mentioned that. So like you, yes. you like like a theater teacher, basically. Yeah. But also you've done some acting as well, correct? Yes. Um, I went to school for it and I apprenticed with the Fredericksburg Theater Company back when it was still a thing. And then when I left school, when I was when I got my degree, I went down to Richmond and performed in children's theater down there. Um, and then I started a family. So that's how that went. <laughs> so <laughs> would you did you? get that itch scratched like as far as like the acting itch that that so many people who get involved in theater have or is it still something that like just kind of sits back there and you're like maybe one day or, or or are you getting to do this by by teaching and by writing and by seeing others perform um there's an ebb and flow of that itch and every now and then i'll just like when we moved down here to alabama um i desperately needed to perform and so um Thank God I got the first thing I auditioned for, and that was with Theater Huntsville, and it was amazing and awesome and scratched that itch. And um, I, I also feel really compo compelled, besides acting, to write. So um, when I'm not acting, writing definitely fills that need. But sometimes, you know, when I got to act, I got to act. And so I go out and find something. 
Well, and and that's actually I kind of wanted to tell that story as well, too. Um, I wanted to thank you because it hasn't come out yet. I'm thinking like within the next few months we might be seeing it. But but you and myself and Rambo is included in this as well. We've been working on another uh, GGR playcast. Yes. And you took the reins for directing. I asked you if you would because I wanted somebody that knew what they were doing because I wanted to do some acting this time. And like I've just been amazed at the things that you've been doing, like the direction that you're giving because like – I never really had a director in the theater that ever actually like directed. I remember, like that's the one thing I'm I remember. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I just remember like in high school, like the, there was never like any like, so here's how you want to do this. Or I want you to think about this. Think about where you're feeling this right now, like, or how you should be feeling in this scene. It was never any of that. And like, I always that's thought that was loss, weird. Mike. That's yeah. a loss. Well, you know what? Here we are. And this is, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's just been it's been really cool to like get to try these things that I always wanted to do and like thought was dead essentially like I just thought it was just like a thing in the past like you know hey I did this thing but I don't do it anymore but now we're getting to do it and like mm-hmm. we're writing and we're performing and like it's this whole other facet of GGR that I never thought would actually become a thing I had said before oh you know what I'd really like to do something like this but it never happened and now it is happening and you're part of that and I think that's just really really cool. Thanks. Um, there's something super powerful about theater and even just audio theater that transforms us and allows us to feel empathy for each other. And I don't think you can see theater or, or hear audio plays without growing. And so I find immense value in that. So anytime you want to do it, I'm up for it. Yeah, we have so many projects in the, uh, in the Hopper folks, so just uh, stay tuned for that. So let me ask you, as far as when it comes to the theater stuff, because this is the thing where where, the, where we get to geek out because I'm a theater nerd as well, um, getting to go see plays. Like, what was the one that you saw and you were just like, oh, man, this, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to do something like this. Or this makes me want to even be a better actress or be a director or be a writer. Like, because I, I, I can tell you which one it was for me. Um, we went to Arena Stage up in D.C., Mm. And I got to see them do a version of a Marx Brothers play. Um, I want to say it was Duck Soup. And it was just, oh, my God. It was just it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. You know, when you laugh so hard, you can't breathe. And there's that panic you have for just a second where you're like, I might die laughing. You know what? (laughs) It would be worth it. Like, I saw that and I was like, that's what I want to do. I I, want to do something like this. What was yours? So I remember... um... I went to see with my parents Les Mis in DC and uh, and the seats weren't even that great, but just being near enough to that, um, just, I don't know if you've ever seen Les Mis, Les Miserables, um, but it's one of the best shows ever and it's very dramatic and there's all sorts of over the top melodramatic scenes that are just super powerful when they're on stage with the lights and the turntable stage and um, it blew my mind. And after that, I was like, I can't not be a part of that. So yeah, lame is lame is. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me turn this real quick because, um, I, we've, we've got these other guys and I'm just dominating them. The, the energy <laughs> here. Uh, MC, did you ever have anything like that with like either like performance, like whether it was like a musician or whether it was theater or whether it was anything where you were just like, holy shit, this is what I need to be doing. 
Uh, well, uh, I mean, seeing Michael Jackson when I was younger definitely was a, was a, a big thing. And even though I had no rhythm, <laughs> I, I did kind of uh, no rhythm at the time, I should say. I did really like the idea of performing, even though like I was largely introverted and had severe uh, like uh, anxiety as far as being in front of in front of people. But I mean, that was something I, I kind of worked through, like all through high school and especially through college until I got to a point where I was where I became more comfortable in doing it. But uh, um, I, I would say like seeing Michael Jackson and, and um, just watching like MTV and VH1 and whatnot, like as a kid and just seeing people perform because it, it just looked like it was really cool. And, you know, I was. At the time, I was mo I was writing, but I was mostly writing short stories and fan fiction. Um, I had actually already written like my first trilogy, like in like the seventh grade. Um, but it, as much as I enjoyed writing, it, uh, the writing form it wasn't giving me the kind of expression that I really wanted. So I kind of transitioned into poetry, and then kind of seeing a lot of musicians and performances and. And kind of also being around people who kind of like like used to freestyle for fun, like it became kind of like a thing where I was like, oh well, I I kind of I feel like I kind of want to try this, and so like I wrote my first song the night before my eighth grade graduation, about graduating high school, about graduating eighth grade, and kind of all the feelings I had about going to a new school where I was going to be the only person I knew, and uh, just kind of set me off on that journey because. You know, the, oh, well, I guess the, 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 the validation I really got for it was my freshman year of high school, I was playing, I went to, um, went to DeMatha. I actually, no, it wasn't my freshman year of high school. It was actually my eighth grade year. I injured myself playing football. And so I, I broke my ankle and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything for, for a couple months until it healed. So, cause I couldn't do sports. I really that that was the time I, where I really took to like kind of really uh, hone the the writing and really get into the music, which led me to writing the song my eighth grade year, which led me to uh, my freshman year of high school when I was going to go try out for football. I realized it wasn't my passion anymore. Like the the music, the 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 perform the art of performing was something that I was interested in doing, and uh, yeah, it kind of set me on that path from there. So I think that that kind of dovetails into because I know Rambo, you had a question. Um, this is a perfect segue here, actually. Uh, yeah, right. You, you talked about um, writing and the appeal of it and, and, and expression. What about act? What is it about acting that um, appeals to you so much? I get to put on a different face. Um, you know, <laughs> when I walk down the aisle at my wedding, I felt incredibly shy and awkward. And because in my own skin, in my own personality, I feel that way. But when I put on a persona and adopt mannerisms of another person, like I can strut across the stage like it's nothing. And I can stand in that spotlight and show off and then walk off stage. And it, there's something about hiding myself behind something dramatic and over the top that is so wonderful and cathartic. Makes yeah, sense. It's funny that you mentioned yeah. that too, because like the more and more I think about it, like there've been so many situations like 
we were we were joking about it before like the npr voice like when i'm at work like i that's me but that's not me if that makes sense mm-hmm. like that literally is a performance and like i've tried to explain it to people before that sometimes when i get home from work i'm exhausted just from not being myself like it's sure. the whole thing is a performance the whole thing is like you not being yourself because you're yeah and like that's that's a perfect description of it is you you feel more comfortable on stage being somebody else than you do yourself almost yeah Yeah. (laughs) very true yeah so what i wanted to do mc did you have any any questions because i was going to start going with uh, some of the the more like personal and not personal as in like so tell us about a time when you were sad no like like what kind of (laughs) movies you like and like what kind of go for it kind of food you like stuff like that Sounds like before she gets on stage and afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I woke up this morning. (laughs) And we're still in pandemic. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a year. (laughs) Yeah. One of of my favorite, one of my favorite questions to ask people is, um, I I love, I don't know why I feel like it's just a, a, such a cool way to learn a little bit about something about somebody without knowing a whole lot, but it, it it oftentimes really like kind of opens up like who they are as a person. What's your favorite sandwich? Like your go-to favorite sandwich of all time? Well, I have a complicated relationship with sandwiches. (laughs) Um, I have to be gluten-free, so... Oh, it's rare to find a sandwich that has that is gluten-free and doesn't disintegrate. But there are t- there's one brand in particular that I don't mind so much, and that's Kinnikinnik. Um, and it doesn't fall apart for like five minutes. So if I eat it fast, it's good. Let's open let's open the 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 definition of sandwich a little bit. Okay, let's throw things yeah, in here. Like, we've had this like, debate already. <laughs> <laughs> well, for for your for your uh, non gluten um, needs, I mean, we can add burritos in here. We're gonna add wraps. Like like your your go to sort of thing. Taco. Okay, so let's go with tacos. Like, what's your go to taco? Well, you know, meat and lettuce <laughs> and avocado and uh sour cream and you know it's basic i don't do anything fancy gotcha with you being gluten-free though is that made like when did you find has this been something that you've done for known about a long time or like I've, I've found a lot of people recently have been realizing all of these problems that i've been having are actually because of this is that more your case or have you known for a while it's complicated <laughs> um apparently when i was really little i got very very sick and um, we're talking like, this is gross, but projectile vomiting formula, that kind of thing. So, Hi. yeah, I was put on a rice diet for a while and then they thought I grew out of it. And uh, now I guess you could say I'm back on it. Um, but as an adult, um, after I had my kids, that's when I really figured out I had to stay away from gluten. So, yeah, that's my life. So I guess we need to modify this question then for you. Um, uh, I like sushi. There, there we go. What's there your, go. what's your, what's your favorite kind of sushi? Oh, um, I think it's. See now that you've asked me and I didn't write it down, I cannot remember the name of it, and I know it's ex- yellowtail. Yellowtail. That's a that's a solid yeah. That's a solid on a, choice. On a on a little clump of rice. Um, that's what I want. In fact, now I want it right now. Thank you for that. 
It, that's what we're here. I, think I need to go and leave the podcast and go find me some. Sorry, guys, cutting the interview short. <laughs> oh, we're done here. <laughs> yeah. What about what about music? Like, what are what are your your musical tastes? Like, your favorite bands, favorite musicians. Give us give us some of those. So I really like music that I can sing in the car to. I find that very stress relieving. Um, and I also love musicians and singers who are clever. So, um, and like Alanis Morissette, she's a huge go-to for me because when she came out, I was a teenager and she was like the first person in all of culture that I was exposed to that told me it was okay to be angry. Um, and that was exceptionally powerful for me. So Alanis Morissette and um, Pink, of course, and Billie Eilish, um, also Janelle Monet and her Arc Android work is phenomenal and breathtaking to me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. She's also beautiful. Um, Outcast, I enjoy, and I actually wrote it down because I knew I'd blank. So hang on a second. Uh, 21 Pilots. Um, my husband wooed me with Boston. And, uh, you wooed you with Boston? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard those words together, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I He had a sports car and we would drive around Old Town Fredericksburg because I lived there um, off campus. And it, I remember one particular summer uh, where he was trying to woo me and we just blasted Boston and it was hot summer nights and it was awesome and romantic and so that stays with me whenever I hear that music so but I also like um Broadway musicals like Hades Town I play that on repeat often so yeah that's what I listen to outstanding so let's do this let's get into this movie thing discussion that we are going to do okay it's something that it's so funny because I was I was making my list of movies and like I was like okay I got to keep it to 5 and then I was like I got to keep it to 10. <laughs> I got to keep it to 20. Like because some of them are just amazing films. Others are just I love them. I don't care how bad they are. They're just my favorite. And that's the key is this is not the best movies. These are your favorite movies. So as our guest Miss Beachboard, I would like you to kick us off. Give us give us one of your favorite movies and tell us why. Uh, then we'll go to Mr. Brooks and then uh, Mr. Rambo, and then we'll come back to me and we'll we'll keep going roundtable like that. Okay. My favorite movie of all time, the one I, if I see it on a TV, I will stop everything and become a zombie and watch until it's over, is The Fifth Element. Oh. Yep. Awesome. Multipass. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that I can explain it, except, you know, it's theatrical and weird and it's got Bruce Willis. So there it is. Yeah. And that, that is a hard one to quantify. Like, why do you like the fifth element? I don't know. Mila Jovovich. Like it, it, yeah. Like it's, that's, that's a hard one to peg down, but yeah, it's just a good flick. It's, it's captivating to watch. Like it's hard to look away from. It's one of those yes. movies that's just like beautiful to watch. So yeah, absolutely. Mr. Brooks. Okay, so uh, my all-time favorite movie is one that is, uh, think uh, anyone from Virginia uh, who is in the sports will appreciate, and that is Remember the Titans. Nice. I I can it, it I mean it's a movie that I used to watch with uh, my mom when I was when I was way younger, 
And I, I think just the overall message of that film is is dope. I mean, I love Denzel was amazing, and it, all the other uh, actors who were in it were were amazing. I mean, there's 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 humor. You know, there's low moments, there's high moments, there's football. I mean, what isn't there to love about that about that film? You know. Yeah, and it is kind of like a if you're from Virginia, like it's like it gets like shipped to you in the mail, like, like samples of hide. <laughs> like it just, the DVD is just in your mailbox and you're like, Oh, remember the Titans. All right. I guess I'll watch this tonight. Mr. Rambo, what you got on your list, bud? Um, so my number one favorite always gets split into two. Um, so do you want me to start with one of those or somewhere else on the list? You, this is, you, you have the microphone, you do whatever the hell you want, man. Um, so, this is like choosing my children, um, <laughs> so it was not at all easy. So I'm going to preface this with these are the five that I like the most in this moment, um, because if you ask me in an hour, the entire list might be different. Uh, but I'll start off with The Fountain. Uh, it is a movie done by um, Darren Aronofsky. Um, it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and there's a lot of story in terms of like the representation of yeah, there's a lot of story behind the making of the movie and not just the movie itself. Um, he was supposed to have a way bigger budget and it got cut in half right before they went to, to production. So he had to find a lot of interesting ways to uh, cut costs, but still have his movie be a period piece, a modern piece and a futuristic sci-fi film uh, all in one. Um, and so he did a lot of really interesting um, photography with uh, uh, high power microscopes to use for the all the space scenes. Um, but yeah, it's a movie about Hugh Jackman, uh, who is married to Rachel Weisz, Um And he is trying to he is a, a, a doctor who is trying to um, not. <laughs> It's not right to say he's trying to save the life of his wife. He is. But he's not just trying to, like, cure the disease she has. Um, he's trying to defeat death. Um, so the movie is told in three parts, um, or rather in three three different ways, um, wherein he is... Um, oh, what's the guy's name? The conquistador that was looking for the fountain of youth. Ponce oh, de Leon. Ponce Thank de Leon. you. Yes. I yes, totally yes, yes. blanked on that. And I was yes. like, oh, yeah. I'm here for you. <laughs> well done. Um, he is Ponce de Leon. He is uh, uh, himself in the present. And he is also a version of himself in the far future, uh, floating in a bubble in space. Um, this helps me, Rambo, because I saw this movie and I didn't understand it. And now you're like explaining it to me. Okay. It's a super right. trippy movie. Oh, just so like excited. you would at a diner with a bunch of friends. Oh my so god, this shit just comes together. <laughs> <laughs> so I know um, a couple people who have watched it, and a couple people, uh, a, a good friend of mine, when I first saw it, watched it, and she was like, that movie was so insulting to my intelligence because <laughs> it was so obvious what was going on. And I was like, you're either way smarter than most people or and, and just don't realize it, Um or you're being just being very pretentious because if you looked at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews for this movie at the time, it was like 50% down the line. 
And the reviews were, oh my God, I loved it. It made so much sense and it was so heart heartbreaking versus it didn't make any fucking sense. It was like a fever dream. I don't understand what was going on. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's it. The reason I I I, I course corrected when I said it in three parts is it's not done in three parts. It cuts around between these three different stories, um, and the 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 nature of the movie itself. It's actually set um, in the present. I guess arguably it's it's set in the it's it's set in the present. All of the the conquistador stuff is um, Rachel Weisz wrote a book called The Fountain, and her dying wish is that uh, Hugh Jackman, her husband, will finish the story. Um, so all the conquistador stuff is um, her part of the book, and all of the future stuff is him finishing the story. See now I have to go rewatch it. You should absolutely rewatch it. It's so goddamn good. Um, it will make you cry like a little little child, um, because there. Oh god, there is a heartbreaking scene where <laughs> he. I think he loses his wedding ring, uh, like right after her funeral, um, and he picks up uh, an ink pen and he jabs it in his finger, and he starts tattooing his wedding ring onto his hand. And then later on, you see him in the future and he's covered himself in ring tattoos. I don't remember that. Oh, oh my gosh. So wonderful. Yes. It's it, it, if, if anybody remembers Brad Pitt on red carpets with a giant ghastly beard, um, the reason he had that at the time was he was in pre-production for this movie. Kate Blanchett was going to play the Rachel Weisz role, and he was going to play the Hugh Jackman role. And then the funding fell through, um, and it got pushed back, and it was all this crazy bullshit. Um, and so they had to recast, and that's when they got Rachel Weisz, and that's when they got Hugh Jackman. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a really sweet movie. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh and uh, yeah, it's really heady. You're just pay attention. Just pay attention, you'll be fine. <laughs> Think about what you watched. You'll be okay. I okay. promise. Okay, I'll text you. I, uh, yes, please do. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things that we do. Is like a lot of times what we'll do is like as the group of GGR folk are watching something that somebody else really really loves, we'll start messaging each other. Like uh, the 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 story that we love telling is when MC was watching Star Wars the first time. He was messaging me. He's like, dude. For the 70s, this movie holds up. And I was like, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. And like, yeah, it just, oh, I, lo I love sharing joy with people. Um, I want to go in a, in a similar fashion because like all of my movies, I like trying to play it off of somebody else's theme. So one of the things that you mentioned about the fountain Rambo was his wife writing this book and then him and then wanting the husband to finish the story. One of my favorite movies of all time is a similar, in a similar fashion, a father wanting his son to continue the story. Uh, and it's uh, Tim Burton's Big Fish. Oh, good movie. Yeah. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, for most, I, I feel like a lot of people have uh, either a grandfather or their father who was like, the, like Albert Finney in this movie, where they're a storyteller. And that was my grandfather. My grandfather was a storyteller. He was a, a man who was six foot four. He was larger than life. And like seeing this movie 
And like, mind you, it comes out like right after he had had a stroke. So like, I'm watching this movie and I get to the end and Eddie Vedder starts singing that fucking song and I start bawling like a baby. Like, I was, <laughs> it like hit me right in the gut, man. But like, this is such a good movie. I, I love that it's the way that they tell the story because it is, it's like a tall tale. It's like watching this it does that thing that happens with kids. You hear these stories about your father or your grandfather and like you imagine them so much more fanciful and so much more heroic than they actually probably were. But that's the great thing about a story is that like you, you get to imagine it yourself. Like you're closing your eyes and you're picturing this thing happening. And like Ewan McGregor kills it in this movie. Um, I'm trying to remember what the actress's name who plays because... Um, it's Marion Cotillard. Thank you. Um, plays um, his son's wife, yeah. The the French actress, yeah. She's she's amazing. Um, I actually have to look up the cast list now because I feel like a jerk because I don't know who. <laughs> Fucking are. Jessica Lange plays his mom. Thank you. Albert but like, not plays only that, dad. Not only that, Jessica Lange and the actress that they got to play the young version of her, she they fucking look like they're like genetic clones of each other. Alice Lemon. Allison Lohman, thank you, yes, <laughs> as I have it pulled up now, but like Billy, Billy Crudup plays the role of this, of this son who is like tired of his dad's shit, and like, he's like, well, I've never gotten a straight answer from my dad ever, that's all I want, I just want the truth, and like, his dad's dying, and like, they have the, he comes back home, and you see the things that they still fought about. But, like, he kind of starts to realize what was really going on. And he realizes that not all these stories that he thought his dad was full of shit telling, like, half of them are, are pretty close to true. And it was just the big fish, you know? Like, he just kind of spun the yarn a little bit more to make it a little bit more interesting. And it's just, like, it's such a great movie. And, like, like we were mentioning before with uh, Fifth Element, it's one of those movies that you can't turn away from. It's just, like, beautifully shot. Like, the, the cinematography is just incredible. And, like, you can't help but, like, just stare at this movie. And, like, um, if it pops up on cable, I don't even have cable anymore. But, like, when I did and it would come on cable, it's one of those movies that I would, like, I'd walk by the TV and it would be on. And you just kind of slowly walk past it. And then you realize that you stopped and you're standing there watching the movie for, like, 30 minutes. And you're just like, man, I'm just, like, completely engrossed in this. That's this movie. I just I absolutely love Big Fish. It's easily, like top top five or top ten but just a fantastic movie when they reveal at the funeral how close the stories were to to the truth yes i found that so powerful one of the things that i loved was and, and let me see if i can artfully put this without sounding offensive um when his father his father was of another time so he described these two uh asian women as siamese twins Mm-hmm. And in the imagery of the movie, they're conjoined twins, a, a genuine Siamese twins thing. But then when you see them at the funeral, they just happen to be two Asian women that are twins. And I can just imagine, like, even my grandfather saying something like that. Oh, they're Siamese twins. And you're just like, Siamese twins. Come on, Grandpa. And then you see him, you're like, oh, I okay, I get what you're – all right, yeah, all right, fair, okay. Like, I'm not going to hate you on that. Okay, like, yeah, exactly, like you said. Like, all of those things that he said, there was a grain of truth to them. And, yeah, I, I love that part as well. Mariah, you're up yes, next. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm – oh, yes, okay. Um, well, since I'm a mom, I have to go with aliens. 
<laughs> oh, did you just did you uh, see the stutter step she just well, pulled on us? Uh, she, she, I was like, thought um, she was going one way and then I she got went the so other way. Sad for you for a second, like, uh, <laughs> your children have traced like a movie you don't actually like. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, well, goodness. Thank you. Yeah, it's you know two moms fighting over their kids, so I feel it viscerally, and I love it. And uh, I don't know that I can really talk more about it. Like, if you know, you know. And it's just, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. It's, it's a work the, of art. It's the reason the robot mascot for GGR is named Ripley. Yes. Yeah, it's because of because of aliens. Yeah, well, alien and aliens, but yeah. In the long, long ago, um, I got to go to the AFI Silver in Silver Spring and see an original print of that movie. What? In in the big showroom theater. Like, I don't know if you guys have been to the AFI Silver, but for the most part, their theaters are like, you know, they're nice, the, the, the actual auditoriums. Um, but they have one auditorium that looks like an old school movie house. And it is gorgeous. Mm. Um, and they did a summer film series. God, this was like 11 years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they did a whole summer film series, and uh, and Aliens was one of the ones they ran. And it was to the point where it was like, oh, man, the film just jumped. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> so excited <laughs> to see all this goofy shit. Oh. That is fantastic. It's one of the things I love about the, living in this area still. Um, every now and then I'll I'll trash it and I'm like oh, I hate this I hate this I hate this but then like I forget like how much history there is here and how many like there are things that are like that. There's a um, if you're in Fredericksburg, right? You might have experienced this. If you're in Fredericksburg and you're driving towards Culpeper, um, there is a I can't even remember what the, what government facility it is, but basically there's an entire film vault library yes. built into the side of a hill, and it is the coolest fucking thing ever. Isn't and it like, like the Library of Congress? Yes, it's the Library of Congress's annex for their, where they store their films, and it's just like. I, I went there one time. It was just like, and I'm a movie junkie. So like going there, it was just like the coolest thing. Like angels were singing when I walked in and the sun shone through the window. It was just amazing. Like it's, it's one of the, it's one of the main things I love about living in this area is stuff like that. When I was in high school, I think it was, or maybe it was right after um, my buddies and I, we went up to the Smithsonian um, and saw the star Wars exhibit. So we got to see the millennium Falcon model um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It was so cool. It was so cool. Yeah. To, to this day, going taking Jax up to the Smithsonian and seeing the original filming model of the Starship Enterprise, like <gasps> still still makes me like giggle. I'm like, that's so cool. I don't care how old and cheesy and from the 60s this looks. This is so cool. Like, it's awesome. When did they put that in there? Uh, that's been there. Uh, it was there for a while. It was like hanging from the ceiling and you're just like, Oh, look, there's the enterprise. And then what they ended up doing was like within the last, like, like three or four years, they went back and like cleaned it up. So like the thing was falling apart because it was made in the sixties. And like, what they did was, is they like took it apart. They cleaned it and retrofitted it and fixed everything. And like, they put it back together and they put it in a glass case and it's 
maybe within the last like three or four years it's it's been on display and like it lights up every like 20 minutes or something like that and does like the full like cycle like the warp drive nacelles are spinning and like all the marker lights are running it's yeah it's dope as shit i actually have a video of it i'll I'll post it on the uh on the on our facebook page yes please (laughs) mc man what about you what is what is next on your top movie list all right. So I should clarify to you, like mine are completely out of order. Like the like they can go, they can be one through five at any point. And hell, this one through five might be different if you ask me tomorrow. Yeah. So I just want to clarify that. <laughs> um, but the second Dang. thing I have I have listed here is a movie I've, I haven't watched in a in a while, but every time I watch it, I always feel like it's it's still one of the best things I've seen. Um, that is the uh, the Prestige with uh, Christian Bale, oh, Jackman. Dude, what a great film! Oh my god. Just every time, I mean that 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 move that movie took me like eight different directions at the end because I thought I figured it out, and then I didn't, and then even after I thought I figured it out after the first twist, it was like, "Hi, I got you again, bitch." And I, <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, but I, but but I, but I love movies that kept, that can catch me off guard that aren't as as predictable. And and honestly, I think both Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale's performances, and hell, Michael Caine's performance, like they were all really amazing in in this film. Freaking David Bowie is Nikola Tesla. Come on, David yeah. Bowie is Tesla. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> that is a great one, man. That I absolutely love that. Rambo, you're next. What you got, bud? Um. Hmm. I have a couple. Well, we recently talked about it, but I'll do it again. Uh, the Quick and the Dead, Sam Raimi's Western entry, um, is it's such a cartoon of a movie in the best way possible. Um, Sharon Stone uh, as the the daughter of a of a a murdered sheriff coming back to town to. Uh, get her revenge, um, and it just so happens that Gene Hackman, the villain of the movie, hosts a, um, a quick draw competition uh, when she shows up. Um, it's got incredible performances by so many people, including Russell Crowe as a um, former uh, 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 oh, what's the word uh, uh, outlaw. That worked with with Gene Hackman turned uh, turned priest. Um, uh, uh, fucking Leonardo DiCaprio in one of his earlier film roles as the cockiest motherfucker in the universe. Um, he just plays a guy called uh, the Kid. Um, and like he has some of my favorite lines, not just in the movie, but like in movies. Period. Like he. There's a gunshot and he drops to his knee during the competition. He drops to his knees and he looks at his gun. And he's like, could it be? Can one man be this good? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, that's him the whole time. Um, fucking Keith David and Lance Henriksen. And oh God, somebody realizes they've been shot when they look down at their shadow and they see a hole in it. Hmm. If that doesn't make you want to watch this movie, it is not for you. <laughs> um, it's not yeah, subtle. Just, let's just put it that way. I mean, look, it's 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 very honest about where it's coming from, um, yeah. and it's it's you know it's very it's, it's a Sam Raimi movie. Um, 
again, and, and if that doesn't mean anything to you, this also might not be for you. Um, but yeah, solid performances all around. Uh, it's really cool to see him do a Western and, and you know, do some different things aside from the, the comedy horror stuff. Um, so yeah, Cooking the Dead. Fucking solid choice, dude. I, I Yeah, can't go wrong with that. Let's stay in that genre, shall we? <laughs> I like Westerns. In fact, we did a whole podcast about it. It's on the uh, Mike on the Mic stream, or now, which is uh, Mike Explores. But you can check it out. We this Rambo movie, and I talk Westerns. The movie you're about to say, I didn't say because I knew you were going to cover it. I might save this one for you. <laughs> But I don't think I will. No. Um, <laughs> I quote this movie so fucking much, it's ridiculous. Like, it's obscene. Like, it's to the point where it's like, okay, we get it. You like the movie. But, like, it's so quotable. The performances are so good. This is the movie that made me fall in love with Westerns. And my dad had been trying hard when I was a kid to get me into Westerns because he loved them. But I never really, it never really caught me. And then I watched Tombstone with him. Yes. And, oh, Fuck, that is such a good movie. I, I every single performance in that movie. Like I, I can't even like name like one person. Like like even the extras. Like the 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 Mexican priest in the beginning who's like quoting the Bible. Like that guy's fucking fantastic. Like every single person in this movie. Even Billy Zane. And I hate Billy Zane. Billy Zane's good in this flick. Like <laughs> how dare you, sir? <laughs> I mean, when when Billy Zane and Dana Delaney are doing the play on the on the stage, and uh, Dana Delaney's playing the devil, and she pulls off the mask, and friggin' Wyatt Earp goes, "I'll be damned," and Doc Holliday <laughs> looks at him and he goes, "You may indeed, sir, if you are lucky." Like, <laughs> such a great goddamn movie, and like, it's 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 smart, like they. These these characters play to an archetype where you just assume that like the bad guys are bad and they're dumb and they're stupid, but then you've got Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday going back and forth speaking Latin to each other, like yes. throwing throwing threats at each other, but also like insults. He's like he's like in vino veritas, which is you know like in wine is truth, and then Johnny Ringo comes back with him and he says I Jake what I did, which is uh, well you know do what you know basically calling him a drunk and they just keep going back and forth like that like ah oh, this is such a wonderful film and like rambo i know how much of a fan you are of this like this movie got saved from the gutter like this could have fallen apart quick because like if i remember correctly the original director was just like dude fuck this i'm out and kurt russell was like well you know what let's bring in this other guy to direct it but i'm gonna direct this movie essentially that's what happens right uh-huh there was uh, a whole thing i can't, I can't remember the specifics of, of the initial fallout but the the first director got fired um uh, or left I'm, I'm i'm fuzzy on that but uh but yeah kurt russell pitches this other guy he comes in and russell's like so here's the deal um you're gonna get the credit um but I'm going to take care of it because in the interim between when the first guy left and when the new guy got hired, Russell was like, we got a fucking schedule to maintain. So he just took over the directing duties. Oh, I think that's what it was. Him and him and Kurt Russell kept having fights. And the first guy was like, fuck this. I'm out. Um, and so Russell's like, great. Now I can just make my movie. Uh, and so, yeah, he took over and everybody was cool with it, apparently including the, the next director that came on. Um, but yeah, like, no, that's, he's that's like, but I still get paid, right? I'm still getting yeah, paid. That's okay, the thing. Cool. Yeah. Dude got paid. Dude got his, his, uh, directing credit. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as DGA is concerned, Kurt Russell did not direct that movie, but as far as everybody on the cast, yes, he did. Just outstanding. Mariah, you're up next. Give us another one of your favorite movies of all time. Okay. So I really struggled at this point because I feel a strange loyalty to the movies that have made me who I am. And I, because I could only pick five and I like to follow instructions. I had to limit it. So <laughs> instead of uh, the dark crystal or the labyrinth, I chose never ending story. Um, yeah. It really spoke to me because yes. the amount of uh, the way they play up the role of the imagination in creating the enormous breadth of our communal dreamscape I, that just spoke so much to me about our ability to create together. And I thought that was um, an earth shattering idea that and I like the luck dragon. <laughs> Falcor is adorable. That yes. and dragons are fucking dope. They um, are. And what movie is going to give you a horse that gets so depressed it dies? <laughs> See, I wasn't going to say anything about that because I know all of us are traumatized by that. But um, yeah, you know, the seriousness of that, like real stakes, that impressed me. Like someone important died. So this is a really serious story and this is a really serious quest. And so many other children's stories don't do that. You know, they, they pander to the idea that kids can't handle death or danger or real stakes. And kids are very aware that there's death, whether or not you want to talk to them about it. So I thought it was so cool. And so and it honored me as a kid. Um, not that I could speak to this when I was a kid, but it honored me that they put that in there for me. There's a respect that that movie has for its audience. Um, when, when when Spike Jones was trying to get uh, um, Where the Wild Things Are finished, the studio was like, ah, it's too dark, it's too dark, you know, you can't, mm. not even just finish, but like actually get it off the ground, get it into production. Um, nobody wanted to do it, mostly because, like, one, how do you flesh out that book? It's like 13 pages. And two, um, the version that he wanted to do was like really heavy and dark. And he's like, kids need to see messed up things. Kids need to be prepared for reality. Um, an old professor of mine, I think, said it best, where he's like, it's children that need to see, you know, stories about death and about, you know, uh, the terrible things that are coming. And it's adults that need to be watching the things that are fun and light and cheery because we have to deal with reality. That is so true. And I actually... I wrote a piece and it's the one I'm most proud of. And it was commissioned by um, the place I work now called Fantasy Playhouse. And I partnered with the Porch Band of Creek Indians in Atmore. And I wrestled with this play because it's for elementary school, um, but it deals with the history of our indigenous peoples, particularly in Alabama and the Creek Nation. And how do you teach children that white people treated the Creek Nation so badly that the Creek Nation had to decide between uh, banding together and fighting the white man all the way to the Atlantic Ocean um, or keeping the white family members that they had decided to integrate into their own families. Like, how do you teach kids about all of that? Cool. And um, the coolest thing was watching the audiences, the, all of these kids in the audience get it. They, 
they got it and they were able to understand and they were able to empathize. And because of that, they're going to be able to treat people with a humanity that we don't see in a lot of adults. And my favorite moment in that play in watching the audience is when um, the uh, Porch Creek Nation had a hard time getting their kids to the school. This was early 1900s. And uh, so this one dad, Mr. Daughtry, stood in front of the bus that refused to pick up his kids, his twin daughters. He stood in the road in front of the bus and said, stop. And the bus stopped. And before this, the bus had gone by and I had dramatized it with the bus laughing at the kids and honking his little beeping steering wheel and going round and round. And the kids in the audience get really agitated. And so when the dad says stop and then approaches the bus driver and says, you will pick up my kids. You will. Don't make me come here again. They're like, yeah. And one audience, I thought they were going to rush the stage and attack Phil, the actor, because they were so angry for those kids. It was the coolest thing ever. But kids are so smart and so aware and they need that acknowledgement of their awareness and the permission to talk about it. So kudos to the never ending story for giving me the ability to talk about hard shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. When I was, um, the first go around I had at victory comics, um, among other things, we had a bunch of like little like Disney storybooks and things, just old stuff from like the the 70s and 80s. Um, and one of them was Snow White. And this guy came in and his daughter picked it out. She's like, you know, five or maybe six. And the next week I see him and he's like, hey, uh, I want to return this. And I'm like, OK, well, what's up? And he says, well, it's not the full story. The, the, the book ends with Snow White in the glass casket. I'm like, oh, that, what? <laughs> That's really strange. He's like, yeah, my daughter wouldn't stop crying when I first read it to her. I'm like, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I want to return. I was like, all right, well, here's the deal, man. We don't take things back because people don't like them. So I'll tell you what, this will be your one, like, you know, fr- I'll give everybody a, a free return uh, based on appreciation. If you don't, if you really want to return it, this this will be your one. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. So he, he returns and he picks up something else. I can't remember what. And the next week I see him back in and he's kind of hanging his head. And he's like, do you still have that Snow White story? <laughs> I'm like, I, I think, yeah. He's like, she won't stop asking me about it. She wants me to keep reading it to her. I was like, the one that made her cry that much? He's like, yeah, I don't know. And I realized, like, yeah, because she's never felt that kind of pain before. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a real new genuine emotion instead of like the placated bullshit that so many kids get where it's like, yeah, no, you feel real sorrow in that. There's power in that. Absolutely. That's yeah. I mean, this is and uh, Mariah, this is why I'm glad you decided that joining us on the podcast was going to be something that was a good idea because I knew that we would get into conversations like this. And these are like my favorite. I love when we start peeling the layers back of things and looking at it more than just like, you know why I really like Star Wars? Because they blow stuff up. <laughs> and there's laser swords and stuff. It's really cool. Like, I love that we're we're getting further into the deep stuff here. So, MC, you're up next, man. What's Give me another one of your movies, dude, and we'll, we'll continue this deep dive in the movies that we're doing. Mr. Brooks is currently muted. 
Yeah, and here I am yeah. speaking, not thinking I'm being ignored. <laughs> Why are these assholes not listening to me? <laughs> like, damn, they're not even responding to me? That's cool, I guess. Uh, <laughs> We're just freezing uh, you out, yeah. Just... <laughs> um, I'm trying to decide which one of the three, because, I, I mean, there's one I can name that really requires no explanation whatsoever, because I think we will all be in consensus about how good this film is, even though it's recent, and that is Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, oh yeah. man! I want to and see that. I haven't seen it yet. To, to oh, quote Raya, I'm so to quote James, to quote yeah. James Rambo, man, <laughs> <laughs> it, Mariah, it is. You don't even need context. You don't need to watch anything else. You literally, if you know who Spider-Man is, watch it and you'll love it. They explain everything. It's fantastic. I know you've stayed away from the MCU stuff for the most part, but like man like this is a good 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 flick like good fucking great call mc like yeah it's a great cast the story is great and in in many ways the the story and even the the construction of the movie like they should not work i think rambo could probably go into more details as far as the the animation like why nothing in that movie should work but the fact that they managed to to pull it off and the fact they managed to tell this rich story with with all of these different characters that never at, at no point in the movie does it feel bloated, nor does it feel like it's not a Miles Morales story. Like it still feels like his movie, even with all of the other characters that come in that are that are involved um, from the from the multiverse. I yeah, it, it was. I read a review of it on GGR, and at one point I ended up saying, I said, this may, movie made me remember how much I love Spider-Man, even though I always just kind of cast him aside. Because whenever people are like, well, who's your favorite superhero? I never mentioned Spider-Man, and I don't know why. Because I love the character. I, you know, it's probably because everybody loves him. And it was one of those like weird like like residual teenage things where it's like, well, if everybody likes it, I, I can't like it. It's not cool. I got to be different and like special. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, and that was stupid because Spider-Man's fucking dope. And like, I, I got to watch it with my kid and he loved it. And like that, like kind of to go back to what we were talking about before, like that was his first time really watching anything Spider-Man. And he loved the shit out of that movie. Like he was like, I want to know more about Spider-Man. And I was like, oh man, yes. Like <laughs> was so excited. I was like, son, you are in for a treat there. There's so much cool Spider-Man shit out there. I cannot wait to tell you all about it. Like, it's like a yeah, it's like a gateway drug into into uh, comic book characters, man. Like that's a, just a fantastic movie. That's fucking Jam- movie, man. Yeah. God yeah. damn it. Yeah. The 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 animation thing that that um that MC's talking about is uh well one all the it by all accounts that movie should not work at all. Like MC said, <laughs> it's it's it should be bloated with characters. Uh, it's, it should be overcomplicated. Um, it introduces like other like other universe versions of characters we've already seen and like you might know through pop culture. Um, but instead of it being like confusing, it's just like, oh, that's a reference to this. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, like each of the different uh, uh, people, like the different spider people from the different spider uh, spider universes, are all um, stylistically different. Like. Spider-Man Noir, there's always wind blowing, um, so his, his trench coat's always moving, and he's black and white. 
uh, and and Spider Ham always moves like like a, a Warner Brothers like Looney Tunes cartoon. Um, but there's there's one thing in particular I think M- uh, MC was alluding to, which is uh, the way Miles is animated. Mm-hmm. Um, so in animation, um, there's a thing. Uh, there's there's animating on ones and there's animating on twos. Animating on ones is uh, uh, animation is run at uh, 24 frames per second, right? So every second second of animation you see, there are 24 individual images put together to make that run smoothly. Because that is the magic number wherein the uh, and th- and that's not just this animation. That's that's film in general. Um, it's the magic number where your brain can take individual stills and if you see them run in that sequence, it's a smooth transition. Um, but uh, there is a thing uh, wherein in order to cut money and to be cheaper and faster and uh, more efficient, uh, you will animate on twos, meaning you will animate um, one image for every two frames. Now, if everything is all done on twos, it's kind of hard to tell because um, like, like you, you might be like, ah, it, it, it's, a, it's not stuttering, but it's not quite as smooth as it would be. Um, but the way if you if you watch Spider-Verse, the way Miles moves at first, there's almost kind of a stop motion feel to him where he's moving in, in kind of a clunkier fashion than the other characters. Um, and it's because the movie overall is animated at 24 frames per second on ones. Miles is animated on twos. And as the movie progresses, his frame rate catches up with the rest of the film. That's what? wild. As yeah. he gets more and more comfortable as Spider-Man. What? Yeah. <laughs> if you rewatch it, you'll see Miles initially is a little, like, there's literally frames missing from his animation. And by the time he fully embraces being Spider-Man, and that's why he's he 24 frames per second. And Jesus that's like, Rambo, you son of a bitch. That's like <laughs> one of the things about that movie. Like, the 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 way that they um uh, uh, uh you ever look at like a, a, a like an old comic and you'll see where like the you know one color is slightly shifted uh off of another one yeah yeah so that refers to the printing registration um because it was literally like you you um or for anybody who's in print um uh, uh there will be little like target marks on the actual print uh, uh like the 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 not the finished print, but the, um, um, Jesus, why am I blanking on this term? Um, the preliminary print. Um, and those are called registration marks. And those are there, uh, to, for the, the printer itself, um, in this case, a person, not just a physical printer, but you know, physical printers also use these as well, um, to literally line up the physical print head. Um, you know, for screen printing, for uh, now for like doing things like um, uh, cutting vinyl and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it would be a four color process. So it would be, you know, magenta, black, cyan uh, and yellow. And so you would have the printhead come down, you know, four times. And if your registration was off by even like a, a tiny bit, your color isn't going to be set properly. Um, and comics were made very cheap for a very long time because they were supposed to be, you know, they were printed on newsprint and they were mass market for kids. Um, 
So the registration being off will will is is what that that color shift looks like. The movie uses registration of the four color process as like a way to show depth in the image. So when like so so you'll you'll be watching it and it'll kind of look like a like there's sort of like a 3D um like a 3D movie feel to a certain to certain things and it's because they're they're shading and rendering things like a comic in that there's like physical registration issues um that you're that that they're basically they're shifting the focus in that way in in a in like a static print media but they're doing it in an animated film i have um i officially have to change your title on uh the podcast you are now professor rambo <laughs> <laughs> Because God damn it, I didn't know any of this. And like, I literally watched that movie. I'm like, how come it's blurry right here? I don't even know. Maybe this, this is meant for it to be 3D. And then you're like, well, it's because, you know, that's how they printed comic back in the day. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, yeah. That's so like, cool. Yeah, really. I will say, I think there's there's times when it's done really successful in the movie. And there, there are a couple times early on where I'm like, that is mostly just distracting to me. Um, but it, it's such a minor gripe. And, and, and like talk about a bold fucking swing in terms of like what they're trying to do with that movie and, and how successful it was. It's it's an incredible feat. And, and Raya, I am so excited for you to watch that movie. Um, I am now, too. Yeah, <laughs> it's it really is awesome. You can watch it sight unseen with anything else and you'll be fine. Awesome. Well, Mr. Rambo, you're up next. Uh, OK, um, let's see. Here's here's what we'll do, too, because we are running a uh, almost out of time here for for our, our first episode so we'll kind of go rapid fire on you can we can just keep going until we're just done with this topic like what's give us give us another movie rambo dark city um dark city is a weird sci-fi neo-noir movie uh if you haven't seen it i highly 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 recommend you pick up a copy of the director's cut because the theatrical cut does a whole uh, a fucking Blade Runner thing where um, one of the characters does a monologue in the beginning of the movie that gives away an entire mystery plot at the end of the movie because they were like, people aren't going to want to pay attention to it. Uh, it is beautiful. It's incredibly well acted. Uh, it's super weird and dark and creepy. Um, and it will look kind of familiar because Alex Proyas, who made the movie, filmed on some of the same sets um, or rather, The Matrix filmed on some of the same sets that Alex Proyas used when he was filming Dark City. Oh, shit. Didn't know. Okay, go. Ryan, you're up next. Alien versus Predator. I... No shit. <laughs> yeah. I love The Predator, and that one, that movie, that AVP didn't have so much gore that I felt nauseous, so... And it's got a kick-ass black actress who uh, teams up with The Predator, and I think that's awesome all right can't go wrong with that at all so there's a theme here are you a big alien fan i like them <laughs> i think they're nifty <laughs> i think they're the bee's knees <laughs> i also really like predator i just wish they made better movies with the predator yeah yeah right i think we're all yeah, yeah. And I think the only really good Predator movie, I mean, the first one was fine, but the only really good one was AVP. It was just exciting. It was exciting to see Predator have a really 
excellent enemy to fight. And it, I think it really drew out the nifty aspects of the Predator. That's a bold statement, miss. You're welcome. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so she does, man. Just dropping bombs. MC, man, what do you got? Uh, Black Panther. <clears throat> Ooh. That's... It... Yeah, you yeah. please, you go first, because I want to comment on that, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's... It... I don't I don't know if we'll ever see just an entire cultural moment like we did with Black Panther in 2018. Um, I mean, I myself, I was in a theater with 300 other black nerds who had rented out every theater within that within that place to watch to, to watch this to watch this movie. Oh, man. And I mean, just that that. I mean, just the, the visuals. First of all, I'm 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 very big into Afrofuturism. I've was uh, fortunate enough to meet uh, Atasha Womack a couple years ago, who wrote a, a who wrote a really great book as kind of like an introduction to Afrofuturism and what it is. And I mean, just first, just the the visuals of Wakanda, what it looked like, like it was it was it was uh, tech, it was advanced, but it also felt very like at home. Um, I mean, the acting in that film, Chadwick, R.I.P., was was phenomenal. Uh, Lupita and I were were both amazing. Um, the, they're, they're, the story has so many layers to it, just on on so many levels, and that, that I really feel like, regardless of whether you are black or not, there was something in that movie that you could relate, you could absolutely 100% relate to. And I think for so many of us, the, the, the representation, the fact that the movie did as well as it did, just to you know, kind of point a big middle finger to every major studio who claimed that all black films just didn't work. You know, it's, uh, an extra middle finger to Ike Perlmutter since he didn't want to do Black Panther earlier. That's all oh, other topic. Fuck that um, racist asshole. <laughs> but... Um, I mean, I, it that 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 movie was just—it's a moment. I, I I really don't know how to how to how to encapsulate it. It um, re- regard it, it it like it takes my breath away every time that I watch it. Like even though I know what's coming, even though I know what happens, I know how it ends. Just just the visuals, just the story, just the the entire presentation. The fact that it's a Marvel movie didn't like it doesn't really matter to me. But the the fact that it was. And is also like a big part of the MCU was also really dope too. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really just excited to see what the future holds for that. But I, but that that Black Panther was just a moment that was just I think bigger than anyone could have expected. It was transcendent. Yep. That movie is the reason I learned the term compersion, because as much as I enjoyed that movie, I saw so many people around me like absolutely thrilled in a way that I had never really seen before. Um, and compersion is a term that is very often used in polyamory. And it is the joy you feel for someone else feeling joy. And that was like mm. so succinctly perfect how I felt um, yeah. working at the theater. Uh, and I, I was I was working in a movie theater when it came out. Um, and it was, yeah, God, so fucking awesome. I have yeah. a question for MC. What is what is the best moment in that movie for you? If you had to pick one particular moment. Oh, pick one? Yeah. 
let's see. Um, well, one moment. Uh, I'm kind of partial to the um, the entire gambling scene that eventually leads into the car chase. Um, there, there are so many layers to that. I mean, one, all three, uh, uh, T'Challa, Okoye, and uh, Nakia, all being dressed in colors representing the uh, the Pan-African flag, which I thought was really awesome. Um, just the, the uh, uh, Okoye's line uh, about her, her, well, her throwing her wig, which was just an, uh. an, amazing, <laughs> an amazing and hilarious moment. The fact that like most of that scene was was a one shot, which I which is something I didn't realize the the first couple of times that I watched it until someone pointed out pointed it out to me. Um, but 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 I, I, if I have to pick something, it, I think it would I think it would be that it's a good mix of I feel like comedy action. We got the, we got our Stanley cameo typical for you know uh, our first three phases of the MCU. So. Um, I think that I think that would be it for me. But I mean, I'm I'm sure because I'm kind of blanking right now. I'm pretty sure I could probably think of something else uh, at some other point too. Cool. Dude, yeah, it's you, you. You spoke to it. You said even for people who are who are not black, this movie hits hits you. And like when he is saved from certain death after losing the Killmonger. And they take him up to the mountains, and Mbaku basically is just like, yeah, guess you guys can stay here. And like, they feed him the herb. They feed him the herb, and he goes to the, um, I guess the the other world, and sees his dad. And he basically calls his dad out. His dad was like, I chose what was right for my kingdom, and he just tearfully is like, you were wrong. Like, yeah. man, that hit me hard. Like the, the, just the bravery that comes with that, because so often we are taught that you do not do that to your quote unquote elders. Like you have yeah. to respect your elders. And like, that's what a good leader will do. A good leader will, will call out people for not doing what the right thing and will boldly and bravely stand in and say, no, you're wrong. Like it's a cat, it's a Captain America line, you know, like, he said it in Civil War. Well, actually, they changed it so that uh, Sharon Carter said it, but like he said it in the comic book. So, um, I'm giving yeah. him credit for it. But like, <laughs> yeah, that and, it, just a fantastic movie. It's it's one of my favorite MCU MCU movies by far. And now we're up to Mr. Rambo. Um, wait, is not Mariah next? No, I just, Mariah went. just Mariah? okay, yeah. sweet. Um, <laughs> all right, I have two left. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Ah, uh, <gasps> yes. Uh, Shawshank is a movie that I, I know there's no such thing as a perfect film. I understand that. Intellectually, I believe that. Um, I can't really find any flaws in this movie. The score is incredible. Um, all the performances are phenomenal. It is shot beautifully. Um, it's like two and a half hours long, but it moves to such a steady clip that it just does not feel that way. Um, if I had to pick one problem with it, and I don't even know if this is true, um, I don't know if the central conceit of the movie works in so much as you're not supposed to know if Andy committed the murder or not. You're, it's supposed to be up in the air. So when you get, when you realize in the third, like the end of the second act, that he actually is innocent, that's supposed to be a revelation. But I've seen it so many times that I don't know if I ever realized that or not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, 
funny enough, like Mariah said about Fifth Element, um, this is the movie that if I catch on that I catch on TV, that's what I'm watching until it's over. Um, oh God, the story of Brooks is just so brutal, and James Hadlin is amazing in it. Um, yeah, it's it's it, as perfect a movie as there is. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more, man. That's a fantastic flick. Like, just beautifully written. I mean, it's a Stephen King uh, book, but it's written under Richard Bachman, if I remember correctly, right? He didn't take credit for this one. It was his pen name. I think he, it was uh, a Bachman uh, novella. It's in. No, I think you're right. It's in uh, um, the one time I read it. Uh, they released a collection of short stories that have been adapted into films called um, Stephen King Goes to the Movies. And it was him talk. It was, it was a little forward from him about the movie um, uh, and the short story itself, um, which incidentally, that book features The Mangler and The Children of the Corn, both of which are phenomenal short stories, both of which are terrible movies. <laughs> so I highly recommend reading those and not watching them. <laughs> I recommend that about many of, uh, you know, TV productions of Stephen King stories. Read the there's, books. Yeah. There's something about the the like the magical realism and certain concepts just work better on as the written word than they do when produced in in live action. Something about your like your mind is more easily able to grasp a concept, you know, like in your mind's eye as opposed to being like the Mangler is about. A washing an industrial laundry machine that is possessed by a demon he does the weirdest stuff it's the weirdest shit in the world <laughs> but that story works that story is great it's um, like from a buick eight weird weird bizarre movie but i loved it i mean I've seen them. okay i was gonna say I, sorry I, book yeah no I, I enjoyed the hell out of that book um but yeah it, yeah uh There's... anyway yeah redemption is fucking <laughs> awesome there's a story. He has a short story collection called uh, the Skeleton Key or the Skeleton Crew, um, and one of the stories. It actually it's where um, the mist comes from. So, yeah. But that is one honest, of the few. That is one of the few exceptions. And yeah. you know what? You know what that has in common with uh, with Shawshank Redemption? Uh, fucking shit. What's his name? Um, God damn it. Why can't I remember his name? Uh, the director Darabont. Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont. Frank yeah. Darabont adapted both of those stories. Yeah. Darabont has got his shit together. Let's just say that. Um, the Skeleton Crew actually has a story in there that is one that makes me, like, makes my skin crawl, makes me so uncomfortable. It's one about um, a young boy who's left home with his grandmother who is senile. And like his in like in typical Stephen King fashion, they just don't think kids can handle adult things like young kids, like eight years old, you know, like, ah, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Like, we're just going to leave you with grandma. It'll be fine. And like he starts hearing all these stories about how grandma was a witch and grandma was this and grandma was that. And like it starts becoming more horror. I don't even want to ruin it if you guys have never read it before. It's it's fucking frightening. And like it, again, it makes your skin crawl. And like it's, it's just outstanding. And like, I, yeah, I, I love Stephen King, and um, I know Mariah does too. And I, I do. James yes. Rambo does as well. Um, I want to, yeah. Let's go ahead and we'll wrap this up here. Um, I, I, I can't talk about 
this list of movies without talking about my absolute favorite movie of all time. Rambo, you said earlier with Shawshank that um, it's probably not true that there are um, that there is, in fact, a perfect movie. I think there are a few. Um, in fact, one of this is one of the ones that I think is nearly flawless, and that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love this fucking movie so much. Like, I can't even begin to tell you, like, how much I love this movie. Like, it is... Yeah, okay, like, looking back on it now, like, there are issues with some of the things in the story. But, like, overall, just, like, you get this amazing hero. He, he does these awesome things. He turns a nerdy profession into something dope. Like, archaeologist. Whoever thought an archaeologist was cool? Nobody. Fucking archaeologists are lame. Except for this guy with the bullwhip. Like, and his cool hat and his constant five o'clock shadow. Like, yeah, Indiana Jones is just the man. And, like, this movie is fantastic. And, like, let me tell you, as a kid growing up Jewish, like, often being Jewish isn't cool. But you want to know what's cool as shit? The fucking Ark of the Covenant that can melt people's faces. <laughs> and you know whose weapon that is? The Jews. You are welcome. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> The yeah. Jews. The Jews. <laughs> so we're we're having a fight between two historical peoples, the Jews and the Hittites. Who are you taking in this fight? <laughs> eh, the Hittites the got more people, but the Jews got the Ark of the Covenant. I'm taking Jews. <laughs> it's like that kid from the commercial we did a couple weeks ago. Hey, you know, the Jews got the Ark of the Covenant, which could do, you know, a little bit of damage. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, right? Right? It's the arc. It's the arc. I'm just, you, you gotta close your eyes, cause like you can't affront God. It's His power inside there. You can't look at the face of God, can you? Come on. Damned is He who would besmirch the appearance of Yeshua. <laughs> Who are we to say that we can even understand the presence of God when we are there in his presence? I'm just saying. Reverence. That's what I'm asking for. Also, I fucked that up. It's Jehovah, not Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus. Um, hey, it works. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You know. Amen. Well, not as far as the truth is concerned. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. He was a good guy, but you know. I don't know about the son of God, you know. <laughs> seems, seems a little overinflated, if you ask me. <laughs> I got one more, Mike. Do it. Uh, Brad, right, you got, do you have, have you done your five or do you have any more? Oh, I have. Uh, you know, I've been sitting here trying to figure out which one I was going to tell you because I don't agree with the list I wrote down. But um, <laughs> You wrote it. <laughs> I know. I'll tell you the three real quick that I'm struggling with right now. One of which is Jurassic Park, which my family is watching in the media room. And I've had to mute the mic a couple times because the bass is so loud. My feet are feeling vibrations across the house. Um, Then there's the Return of the Jedi and then Die Hard. Die Hard is a wonderful, wonderful movie. There it is. Really? You took... You chose Jedi over like Star Wars Empire. or, or <laughs> Empire, and I'm not like I'm not. It's saying... the Ewoks, man. It's the Ewoks. Okay. I love them. Fair. I feel like a lot of people choose Return of the Jedi because it's the more feel good of the movies, but also too like if we all watched this as kids, that was also the one that was kind of like the 
bring the kids into Star Wars kind of thing. They're cute little teddy bears that, as you watch as an adult, you realize are cannibalistic and eat people and like. Murder bears. I was okay with that. Yeah, murder like bears. Like when you're that cute, I don't, you know, eat people, whatever. <laughs> do what you gotta do, you know. <laughs> it just it had a really satisfying ending, and the other two did not. And so, I feel like that's the one that deserves my love. Uh, fair enough. Rambo, what else you got, man? Uh, I've talked about this movie many, many times. I'm going to talk about it again. The Monster Squad. Squad. Yes! Fucking Goonies versus the Universal Monsters. And it's a better movie than the Goonies. And I will fight you by the flagpole at 3 o'clock if you think that I'm going to sit here and let anyone tell me that the Goonies is a better movie. Fuck you. You're wrong. Um, Just saying, garlic bread saved the day. It literally... Oh, God (laughs) damn it. All the performances in the movie... Wolfman's got nuts. Wolfman's got nards. Wolfman's got nards. He... They kick Wolfman in the balls in that movie. That alone should be enough. All of the makeup is gorgeous. Um, uh, the performances are a lot of fun. Um, there's, there's like weirdly heavy allusions to things in that movie. There's a lot of really cool visual storytelling. Um, the Dracula in that movie is such a bad motherfucker. He kills like four cops without breaking stride as he walked to a little girl before he calls her a bitch. Like it's that's fucking crazy. Um, and yeah, like they, they, uh, uh, they kind of go into some of the, the background in terms of like, you know, how do you kill a werewolf? There's one way to kill a werewolf. Oh, what if he got blowed up real good? No, no, fuck you guys. There's one way to kill a werewolf. And that's that. It's so much fun. It, it, it treats, the thing I love the most about it is the way they treat their, their, um, the kids in the movie. They feel three-dimensional. They feel real in a way that you don't often see from movies and media. Like, Stranger Things does a very similar thing in terms of the way they handle the kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Goonies is not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination, at least as far as I'm concerned. But it doesn't feel like real children. It feels like adults looking back on little kids. Yeah. Like, oh, they're precocious youngsters. The fucking kids in Monster Squad say things that, like, they're horrible things to each other. But, but like, one, it was the 80s. Two, children don't have the proper context. They don't really understand why it's not okay to call someone, you know, a homophobic slur. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for the most part, the people who do use those words uh, uh, are the bad guys in the movie. Um, yeah, it's... It's so much fun. It's so funny. Um, it's got some. It's got some fucking problems. There's some things in that movie that did not age well at all. Um, I gotta rewatch it, dude. Where can I find it? Uh, I think it's on either Hulu or where is it streaming right now? I will because I I, I usually I usually do like a oh by the way every time I see it streaming somewhere like by the way you can currently watch Monster Squad on <laughs> and I haven't checked it a little bit. By the way, the moment with the teddy bear at the end affected me the same way that the never-ending story and that stupid-ass horse did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scraps is a G, and <laughs> he, he he will get you through some hard times. And Phoebe felt like someone else needed him more than Aww. she did. Like, it kills me right now talking about it. We have to change the subject or I'll start okay. weeping on the mic. Okay, Katie cool. can't talk about it either. Katie can't, like, yeah. See, that I, makes me feel better. When I, I'll, I'll just, like, every now and then we'll be sitting there, you know, be quiet, I'll go, 
scary. And she's like, shut oh, up. Oh, no. No, no. That is wrong. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, Monster Squad is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Well, then, I know what I'm watching this weekend. I'm going gonna, gonna to rattle off a couple because I have a, a large list of movies here. I mean, the first one I'm going to do, uh, people give me shit for all the time. I do not fucking care what you think about this movie. <laughs> I do not care what you think about me because I like this movie. I have loved this movie since the first time I saw it. I have watched this movie probably more than any movie I've seen in my entire life with the exception of the Star Wars movies. I've let my son watch it. He loves it just as much as I do. It is a, It was a bonding moment, and that's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I fucking love this movie so much. I can quote the whole goddamn thing. This movie is a work of art. It is so fucking funny. Like, I love this movie so much. And, like, if if you can't hear somebody say that they're from Texas without thinking of the stars at night are big and bright, like, deep in the heart of Texas. This is such a fucking wonderful movie. I, it is so funny. Large, when he's, large sent me. Oh my god! When he's, when he goes to Clarence's house, or uh, yeah, he goes to uh, uh, Francis. He goes to Francis's house, and Francis is in the pool taking his bath, and he jumps in the pool, and he's got Francis by the hair, and he goes, "Tell me where my bike is. I'm losing patience with you, Francis." <laughs> <laughs> Just such a good movie. Oh my god. You uh, yeah. saw the you saw the clip with the Jurassic Park and Pee Wee. I was going to ask you about the, that. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's so funny. I I also definitely have um, it, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful Photoshop that somebody did where they turned Pee Wee's bike into one of the speeders from Return of the Jedi. Oh. <laughs> and, but it's, it's like the same color scheme, the red and the white. Like and he's just like just hauling ass on that thing. Oh God. <laughs> such a great movie man and that when he gets to see his own movie on the big screen and it's freaking james brolin like <laughs> but, but like he's in the movie too and he's playing the bellhop like <laughs> oh and he's like if you if you watch that movie again watch that scene because you could tell that somebody's trying to tell him to get out of the shot yeah. and like yeah oh man and they and still, voice <laughs> oh my god every every time i'm on the phone like if let, let's say I'm working from home and I'm on the phone with like one of my agents or, or like, a, you know, like a manager or something like that. And like, I tell Jax like, Hey, can you go on? I'm, I'm on the phone. Like I'll mute the phone for a second. And he goes, shh, dad's trying to use the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Mike, okay. You have two Tim Burton movies. I know I do. Books. I know I do. I do. Is there yeah. a third? No, there's not. Those are my two. Like, I, I don't have an issue with him, but I feel like his good stuff was early on. Um, he hit Big Fish, because I also love Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is a great movie. Mm -hmm. um, Big Fish was this weird aberration in the middle, because he was in that whole, like, Johnny Depp's and everything I do. Um, I got really tired of that. Um, Big Fish was the aberration where it was just like, oh, fuck, that's right. Tim Burton knows how to make really good movies. Um, but then ever since then, it's just like, eh, I'm good. Thanks, man. Um, I'll tell you who I love the shit out of, uh, and that would be the Coen brothers, because Big Lebowski's on this list, but so is Fargo. <laughs> Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. Such a great movie. Um, my favorite Star Wars movie, Empire Strikes Back. Um, my favorite Tom Hanks movie of all time is not one that anybody else picks, and that's Big. I fucking love Big so that's much. That's a good movie. Oh, it's I love funny Tom Hanks. 
when he's in his when he's in his like comedic roles like that he just kills me every time like and money biggest, pit yes like or money the pit oh, the verbs oh. or um league of their own like yes he has some really but he fucking kills it in league of their own like um in our GGR group chat, my my friend from high school, Ariana, and I were going back and forth just quoting uh, League of Their Own lines. Where like, what? Why the hell are we stopped? Lou quit. Who's Lou? <laughs> 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 oh, god! His delivery on everything in that movie is perfect. Oh my god! When when Lowenstein when Lowenstein comes down and he's like, "Great job, Jimmy." I like the part in the third inning when you sat there and scratch yourself for an hour. <laughs> Because, because if you're going to do something, you got to do it right. <laughs> that was some good peeing. Oh, man. God damn. Um, I, I have, like, themes here. Like, here's my Kevin Costner theme. Uh, Dances with Wolves. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, meh. Meh. Okay. <laughs> oh, it only it only won an Academy Award for Best Movie and Best Director. Yeah, That's meh. Fine. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> meh. I, I wouldn't put too much credence in that as Crash won best film. Um, you know what? It was a weak year, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, I just, yeah, I, I personally love it. I love what it, the, the message, because I remember being a kid and watching it and remember like this is the first time that I was like, wow, this is really like eye-opening that we really treated the Native Americans like shit. And my uncle was a um, U.S. Marshal for Native American Affairs and talking to him about it. And he was telling me like how like, it, you know, it, it's it's good that it's bringing focus to this issue. But even the movie itself was flawed in a lot of ways. And he was explaining to me that like the, the version of Lakota that they're speaking was actually like horribly off. Like it was actually that that would be. It was all mostly men speaking that language, but the version they were speaking would only have been spoken by females. And I was like, wow, really? Like, they missed that? And he's like, yeah, he's like, there's a lot of shit like that in that movie. He's like, it's still a good movie, but, you know, it brought attention to this issue. However, so, yeah, but like, um, honestly, yeah, people my need to do their homework. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. That's yeah. basic. Like, you go and you ask someone and get the information and. Sorry, I've done like, that. I've done they asked that. like one guy. They asked one guy, like one drunk dude in a bar, and he was like, "Yeah, no, I know the language. Don't worry about it." Yeah, doesn't. But um, my favorite Kevin Costner film, um, and one of my favorite films of all time is Field of Dreams. Like, mm -hmm. I, I love that that movie is it. It's not realistic, but it doesn't care, and that's what makes it great because it's 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 telling you it's like this is this thing this outlandish thing you either believe in it or you don't and he does and he's like i'm willing to follow this through to the end and like something magical happens because of it and like you are a cold 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 person if you can watch the end of that movie without at least tearing up when he like looks at his dad and he's like hey dad want to have a catch like oh dude that if that doesn't hit you in the gut man then yeah that's you got a heart made of stone uh, let's see what else here. Uh, oh, and I, I, we didn't mention any Star Trek movies, man. Fucking Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. Best Star Trek movie, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. That's, that's I am favorite. partial first contact myself, but I understand why Wrath of Khan gets the attention it does. First contact's really goddamn good. So is Voyage Home. Voyage Home is like the, the crowd pleaser. Like, that's like your free bird, basically. Like, that's the one that's going to get everybody going. 
but yeah, like Rathacon's like my favorite one. Just Ricardo Montalban, just like grabbing every piece of the scenery in that movie and just chewing the fuck out of it. Just like and we love it everywhere. Oh man, he's just like I will leave you like you left her. Like growls so. <laughs> lines at people. Oh fuck, it's just great. Um, MC, you got any more, man? Like we're just getting them out, and never gonna go ahead and wrap up. Uh, the only only thing I have left is uh, an anime film called Your Name. Uh, it would take way too long since we're uh, since we're low on, short on time, but uh, it's a really great rom com slice of life movie. Uh, the ending will probably make you cry if you're a sap for romance like I am, um, but it's really good. That's pretty much all I can say. What is it called? It's called Your Name. Cool. I'm gonna look it up. There you go. See, this is what very we're wholesome to, film. We're hoping to. If you haven't seen them, you might go out and watch them. Or if you haven't seen them in a while, like me with Monster Squad, you're going to make a point of going on Amazon Prime and watching it as soon as you possibly can. But folks, that's going to do it for this episode of At The Diner. I want to thank Miss Mariah Beachboard. Mariah, I'm so glad that you came on the podcast. Like, it's it was cool getting to know you, but like that you can just hang with the rest of us and have nerdy, geeky conversations about movies and such. Always a good thing. Anytime. Yes. And I'm sure there will be future endeavors in which we include you on this podcasting thing that we do. For everybody here at the Great Geek Refuge, that includes Mr. MC Brooks. That includes Mr. James Rambo. Um, for all of us, thank you all so much for being involved in this, for subscribing, for sharing with your friends, for buying our cool t-shirts that we have, which there are a lot of them. Rambo just did a really, really funny one of our very own GGR robot Ripley uh, in a lab coat um, with uh, the turn of phrase that we've decided to make a positive thing, and that's fuck around and find out. You can get your very own fuck around and find out t-shirt on the uh, GGR Teespring shop. So if you just go to Teespring and you search GGR, it's right there, and you'll see Ripley in his awesome little lab coat. For all of us here, thank you so much again. We appreciate you so much. And as always, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!